Welcome to At Work in America, sponsored by Paychex. At Work in America digs in behind the headlines and trends to the stories of real people making a difference in the world of work. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Bowes and Trish Steed. Welcome back to the At Work in America show. We have a great show today. We have a super topic, a wonderful guest waiting in the wings. Uh, Trish, how are you today? Great to see you. This is going to be Good a fun to show. Good to see you. Yes, it's been, a, it's been a busy week. So I'm actually excited to, uh, to have a show because I think we've been in just meeting after meeting. So especially a show on the topic today, which is around storytelling. So I think this is going to be actually quite a treat. Oh, it's going to be a fantastic show. I'm looking forward to it. I'm even, Trish, I'll even tell you this. I think you might know this, but I'm okay. taking a break from my working vacation from the oh. beach, which is where I'm at today, to do this <laughs> show because I'm so excited uh, for the show. But after the show, I think I'm going out to the beach. So um, let's uh, first, before we welcome our guest, Trish, let's thank our friends at Paychex. Of course, this episode of At Work in America is sponsored by Paychex one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. After three-plus years of being in survival mode amidst the global pandemic, HR leaders have been challenged to get back to work, ushering in the era of the dynamic workplace. In Paychex's seventh annual Pulse of HR report, you can find out how HR leaders are optimizing the work experience regardless of where or how work is done, addressing widening generational gaps and increasing productivity, not just for their employees, but also for themselves. This is a great report, Trish. I encourage everybody to check out the Pulse of HR report. You can find it at paychecks.com slash A-W-I-A. And thanks to our friends at Paychex. And Trish, teaser, we're going to be doing some more fun things with our friends at Paychex in the next few months. We are. They are just good people. Not only good product, but we we really wholeheartedly believe in what they're doing over there and really excited for the next few months with them. Speaking of good product, you know what's a good product? An awesome product, which we both love, is Masterclass, Trish. And we're going to that talk about true. Masterclass, but we're going to talk about a little bit more than just that, of course. Oh, our guest today is Melanie Steinbeck. I call her Mel, Trish. She's the chief people officer at Masterclass, where she's responsible for overseeing HR strategy and operations, recruitment, and culture initiatives. Prior to Masterclass, Mel most recently served as chief people officer at Cameo. I bet there's some great stories there. Oh, my goodness. Mel has Another years favorite. of experience. <laughs> she has years of experience at the intersection of talent and business strategy in both corporate and consulting roles. Mel, welcome to the show. How are you today? I am awesome. Thank you so much. I'm a little jealous you're at the beach, but um, <laughs> I'm great. Well, I'll tell you what, we were chatting a little bit before the show. And uh, if you're in the central part of the United States, at least as we record this, you're roasting in, the, uh, you know, hot beach-like temperature. So I think pretty much yeah, everyone's looking for it's kind of like the universe's that. way to say, aren't you, don't you want a like negative 20 day you know, negative 20 degree day. Aren't you just craving snow? Um, we'll, we'll make you roast in a hundred degrees so you can like be grateful for the, you know, the frigid weather that we're sending your way in a little bit. Uh, absolutely. Uh, well, well we can talk about, yeah. I was going to say, Mel, Mel knows we're both in that St. Louis area for the most part, but I'm actually in Colorado right now. And just earlier this week, I took a little uh, day off and went and sat in some hot springs. So That'll just tell you, like, I am not enjoying the kind of hot that the Midwest is enjoying right at the moment. 
Mel, we want to talk about storytelling and how it relates to how it's, it's important for learning, for leadership development and more. But before we dive into some of that, um, I think most people probably know Masterclass, but maybe if there's someone who who doesn't or maybe needs just a little bit of an update, because Masterclass has been around for a little while, maybe give us 90 seconds on, on kind of the Masterclass story a little bit, and then we'll, we'll dive into some of the storytelling conversation. Yeah, well, Masterclass was founded on the premise that um, on, on two like kind of key insights. Number one, that education should be entertaining. Um, and number two, that everyone deserves access to the best. Um, our founder, David Rogier, was um, was a really gifted student um, and, and had this, um, you know, has this really compelling founding story about his grandmother and how um, when she left Europe in World War II, the only thing she could take with her was her education. And so that really informed David's perspective on why education is so important for everyone. And, and so Masterclass was founded uh, on this idea that how do we bring the best instructors in the world um, to the most number of people? We we started with a, a consumer um, experience for that, that, that you've both gotten the opportunity to, um, to see and be a part of. Um, and then several years ago, we also launched a, a corporate version of that, an enterprise version of that called Masterclass at Work where um, we give a little bit more structure to those classes, um, a little bit more kind of follow-up work so that people can really uh, personalize those learnings into the workplace. Um, and that's really the, the part that drew me to wanna be a part of this incredible company. Well, thank you for sharing the backstory. Just as, as someone who's been a customer for many, many years, even pre-pandemic, um, I still go back and watch some of the, you know, the early classes that I took. My favorite, can I just say, is Usher on performance. Um, what I like about the the masterclass concept is that you're taking real professionals in their respective fields, and they're they're teaching you things where you might think that me as an HR professional might not learn from Usher, right, in performance, but but you do, right? So I totally. I would love to even hear a little bit about, you know, you mentioned sort of this this corporate masterclass at work. Um, how does that look different from maybe the experience that Steve and I have had? Because then when when COVID came, we went all in and we, we took yeah. many, many courses. But I'd love to hear just kind of some of the differences because I'm not sure I know what those are. Yeah, well, so I mean, so think about your own personal experience there, Trish. Like you watch the Usher class, um, but you know, when when you watch the Usher class, you're learning a lot about like presentation skills, honestly. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what we've done in the master class at work uh product is said, okay, where throughout our entire library is this like collection of presentation skills? It's not just going to be like you know, someone teaching you how to use like PowerPoint or Google Slides, right? It's going to be Usher talking about that. It's going to be uh, Steve Martin talking about like how he comes up with a, you know, comedic bit. It is going to be, um, you know, some of the politicians on our, on our platform talking about how when they had to present, you know, really challenging issues 
to mm -hmm. the public or to a cabinet or whatever, how they handled that, how they prepared for that. Um, and so we, on the masterclass at work side, we really are scanning our entire library to say, hey, where are those snippets, right? Like resilience, like we don't teach a class on resilience. We have Steph Curry talking about when he's like, you know, college recruitment didn't go as he planned and how he, you know, kind of came from that. We have like so many of these origin stories of these fabulous artists are, are really stories of resilience, right? And so we we pull all of those together into the masterclass at work side. And then you have this like incredible variety and diversity of stories that, that people really connect with. Yeah, thank you. I, you're right. I think too, it makes it so much easier when you hear all of the people you just mentioned, for example, their story is what actually helps you relate those skills that they're talking about having or have, have gained, earned, right, whatever it may be how you can apply that to your own career, your own personal life, and really apply it in a very different way than you might have if you just took a, a class, like you said, on how to do a PowerPoint maybe, yeah. right? So yeah, 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 much more impactful, I think, that way. Totally. Now, maybe we can even talk about just the importance of delivering or developing learning content or development content in this fashion compared to say, right, you've you've been an HR chief people officer for a while, right, before Masterclass yeah. 2, right? Yeah. Um, maybe discuss just a little bit about how, how thinking about learning and thinking about presenting content in a more storytelling fashion actually helps the learner and helps, by extension, helps the organization. I, yes, I, I'm like, I'm so passionate about this. Um, so, so here's the story, like literally here's the story. <laughs> we start learning as kids through stories. Why? Because they're more memorable. Honestly, like, you know, we, we don't tell kids like, you know, don't get lost in the woods. We tell them the story of Hansel and Gretel and leaving breadcrumbs and like how important that is, right? We we don't say, here is the alphabet. You really need to learn it to read. We teach them a song, right? Mm -hmm. We teach them a, a song to learn that. Um, you know, we, we teach them rhymes to remember certain things, I before E except after C, right? We, we are using all of these entertainment concepts to help our most our earliest learnings become really sticky and and somewhere along our journey we decide that that is no longer applicable and and my experience is that it's actually more applicable as as an adult right as an adult you have so much information coming at you all the time the the overwhelm is real the information kind of overload is is real and you might not be able to like pull out a specific fact or data point, but you're going to be like, wait, hold on. I remember this story that Bob Iger was saying in this class where he like was deciding whether or not to, you know, invest in Pixar or not or whatever. And, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, this is maybe a way that I can go through and, um, and, and use that framework for my own decision-making. So, so for me, when, and I've had the opportunity to um, run leadership development programs for the past decade. And the thing that we found in, in those previous roles that where I was doing it was that um, 
two two key insights. Um, number one, like hearing actual other people call them case studies, you know, mm -hmm. but I would say like stories of other companies of mm -hmm. how they have handled that really help people um, understand we're not alone in this. Other people have solved it. Oh, that was an interesting uh, approach that maybe I wouldn't have thought of, right? It gives it so much of that um, really interesting context that makes it more real to them. Um, and then secondly, the, the other thing is really personalizing the learning to the company. Um, so, you know, I, I previously worked for McDonald's and, um, and for McDonald's, we chose a lot of, um, of companies when we were kind of doing this, you know, bringing people in to teach our leaders, we, we went down two paths. We either looked at like other global brands and how they had managed through different, you know, challenges. And then we looked at other restaurants and we like, it, it might surprise you, but we looked at like a lot of fine dining because fine dining has a tremendous amount of like really to, you know, needing to deliver consistency day after day, which is the thing that McDonald's mm -hmm. is really known for and and is wonderful at. And and we had those chefs and those those restaurant owners tell those stories about it. And it was um I, I still get a lot of um, outreach from folks that participated in all of those classes about how how much they like continue to utilize that learning. Yeah, those are such good examples too, Mel, because I think that as you were talking, I'm thinking about what you're describing is really attaching emotion to the learning. You know, it is important that it's personal, but this also there's an emotional level to it. And I think if you're if you're just reading a typical case study, that might be the component that's lacking is that personal emotional tie to something. And that's where telling it as a story versus just a statement of facts, which is sometimes what a case study can be, is is sort of that element that that will make it sticky. Right. So you're telling stories right from McDonald's talking about fine dining. I mean, as you're telling these, I'm thinking back to many of these master classes I've watched and if I had to say what the thread is, it is that sort of um, emotional connection I felt to that person. Um, how do you go about sort of deciding who gets to be these instructors? Is instructor the right word? I don't, it could be yeah, instructor. teachers, yeah, yeah, instructors, yeah. right? I know, I know. Um, um, yeah, we call them instructors. Yeah. Um, um, and and I love that you make that point, Trish, because again, you know, like I, I talked about, like we know that this works for, for when we're young and then somewhere along the way, we decide that it is like no longer applicable for, for adults. And, and I think a lot of that is like Western culture has kind of taught us, you know, uh, work isn't personal and you should, you know, unemotional leadership and all of this kind of stuff. And, and that is, you know, we've seen through the pandemic, even that that is falling out of favor. And, and now it is bring your whole self to work and vulnerability is really having a moment. And, you know, this idea of, um, you know, being a well-rounded leader and, um, and not just, you know, being able to strategize and execute, but also to really like be empathetic and a really wonderful like people leader. 
is is becoming more and more important. And what you said about the way that you connect with those masterclasses and those instructors, it is very intentional. Um, it, it is based on um, neuroscience, which is that um, if you can connect emotion to a to a fact, to a you know a learning, it it increases um, the the retention of that learning. And so, um, and so that is, that's really a, a philosophical or kind of like foundational element to all of our, um, all of our classes at Masterclass. But I, I would tell you on the consumer side, as well as the, the Masterclass at work side, mm-hmm. um, and even, you know, for some of the amazing CEOs that we have on our platform, um, you know, we're having them tell the emotional stories for the first time. You know, um, we just released um, Melody Hobson's class. You know, Melody is, she runs like this giant um, uh, hedge fund in in Chicago. Um, she's on many, many corporate boards. And she tells a story about crying when like when work was really, really like during the global financial crisis, um, when Ariel was losing um, clients and she talks about crying and not crying alone, but crying with the the founder of Ariel about this. And I, I don't know that she's ever told that story before, but but I will tell you it made me see her in this. I I like see her as this superwoman. She is someone I, you know, I admire greatly. I admire her even more now knowing that story about her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And you're right. It's even having gone through a number of these classes, Steve, I'd love to hear what you think about this too. I just feel like I wasn't making that connection about why I like them so much. And it is the emotional side. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I worked in as an HR professional, almost 20 years and did a lot with learning and development and corporate universities and everything. I never, I can't think of any time where a team of colleagues and I sat down and talked about tying emotion to learning. And, and thank you so much for sharing the bit about the neuroscience behind the importance of that. Um, Steve, I don't know, have you, has that come up in your career in HR as well? Like any connection there? I just feel like I have no, not enough probably. Yeah, not enough probably. And and I, I totally resonate with what you're talking about, Mel. In fact, oddly enough, I had written down and you know, prep for the show just now. I was like, oh let me let me recall a few of the, the master classes that I've taken that really I remember really well and I really enjoyed. And I had just written down the name Bob Iger before you brought him up <laughs> in your comments, which was fascinating. But uh, uh, I want to ask a question, Mel, and maybe you, you talked about some of the the work you did at McDonald's and leadership development. Of course, you're working at Masterclass and Masterclass is delivering this fantastic content for learning and for development with, with storytelling is really the backbone yeah. or the the through line. Do you have any just thoughts or advice? Let's say my organization, I don't know, we're industrial, we're technical, maybe we need to bring in people and, and give very kind of straightforward technical training, maybe as part of an onboarding or just part of, hey, this is how this bit of machinery works or this is how this process works when the material's kind of dry and perhaps that emotional connection is difficult to find are there ways we can or or people who are listening to the show can think well how can we improve our content so that people retain it people engage with it a little bit more 
and, and then we get the outcomes that we want when maybe the that emotional angle, say the, the crying at the hedge fund is not really yeah, applicable. Totally. So so let me like I I really believe that like I'm trying to think of that there are probably some things that like for very, very technical training, maybe a story is not going to be um, the the right way to go. Right. Like I'm thinking about like if you want to learn some shortcuts in Excel or something like <laughs> maybe a story isn't the right thing, although I could tell you a lot of stories about me and Excel because we are not friends. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but I would, um, but I would say like in the examples that you, um, that you gave there, Steve, you know, one of the most incredible ways to, um, to kind of get that your audience's attention or, you know, the, the classroom's attention or whatever is to tell the story of your own learning, right? If you were up there teaching about this piece of equipment. I would start with, hey, I have been working at this company for 27 years. And 27 years ago, I looked at this piece of equipment and I was scared. I was like, how am I ever going to be able to run this machine? It's so big. It's so noisy. It's whatever. Mm -hmm. And I had this incredible mentor who told me this one thing that like really helped me conquer my fear. And it was... That that big bad machine can be, you know, turned off with the flip of a switch. Mm -hmm. And that really stayed with me. And so it really helped me address this piece of machinery and and kind of see it in a different light. And now I'm the head of, you know, all of these machines across the entire company. And I'm really excited to teach you how to use it. Boom. Boom. Yeah, I love that. That's a great example. Yeah, thank you. That's fantastic. Um, and yeah. that's like, I, I think this idea of, hey, we, um, you know, I, I, I'm not quite sure about bring your whole self to work, but I do think there is a sense of, hey, bringing a little bit more of, of your journey into your current role, bringing a, a more of your learnings and kind of your, you know, stumbles along the way to your leadership style and and to your team that for me really feels like something that we have shied away from and and that we're now um really encouraging leaders to do and and I would say continue leaders like leaders of the world continue to do that because that that's the thing that makes your your employees want to uh it 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 really creates that connection yeah, I think what I'm taking away from that example, uh, Mel, and, and that advice is is the machine or the process or the Excel spreadsheet, they don't have a story, but the people do, right? We all have stories. The instructor has a story. The learners have a story that the founders of the company, right, have a story. And, and if we think about that a little bit as much or maybe perhaps more than the equipment and the Excel spreadsheet or whatever we're trying to teach, quote unquote, then that's maybe good advice to try to interject that storytelling element in, in areas where it maybe is not so apparent where we could. Yeah. And, and I would just say like, I, um, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of your audience and your listeners are in the, in the, you know, the HR role. And so they might actually be coaching a leader on how to, how to lead this, you know, machine 
training class. And so my advice for the the HR leader uh, in that um, in that example is uh, give that leader permission to tell tell more of the story, right? Speak to them beforehand, interview them, right? Ask them, hey, how long have you been working with this piece of equipment? How long have you been great at it? How, like, when, can you tell me a time when, like, the machine, like, surprised you or whatever, like, working in this, you know, whatever. Solicit those stories from them, like, interview them. Um, you know, we call it, on the uh, on the masterclass side, we call that you know, character development, um, where we're trying to understand, hey, what are the stories that are are really interesting and compelling? Um, but I would tell you that any HR leader can do that, and um, and then and then play it back to to the leader. Hey, you know what? When you told me the story about learning how to use this piece of equipment for the first time, I really felt like very connected to you. And I think the the people in this class will too. Why don't you tell that story at the top of the class um, or whatever it is? And so yeah. that's I say, the role that the HR leader can play in that as well. I think that's such good advice, Mel, because I think so often if you're not someone who teaches or instructs others at work very often, and you might just be more inclined to stand stand right up and go through a process, a set of steps, and and think that's going to be sufficient. I I think you're right. Earlier, you said that you know the retention of the information is greater whenever you have those stories and connections. And I love that example of just sort of helping solicit that from your people because sometimes they're so wrapped up in their own fear of speaking in front of their colleagues or peers and. It may be too, if they tell a story that's very personal and maybe a little bit vulnerable, they'll kind of see the whole room relax too, right? Mm -hmm. And it just gets that kind of that dialogue going versus kind of an us versus the instructor feeling. I, I think that is, that's so true. It like, it really does create like that connection between yeah. not only the instructor and the material, but the instructor and and the you know the learners and so i i really like i i deeply believe in it i i would also say you know one of the things that has kind of gotten in the way historically of people doing this is we're so obsessed with like the time you know like oh we only have 40 minutes to teach mm -hmm. this and so we're like you know 39 minutes and 30 seconds mm -hmm. has to be on teaching about this material and I can like only do an intro for 30 seconds because then I got to like really get to the, you know, the meat of it. Um, and, um, and I really learned from our, our creative teams at masterclass, actually, like sometimes you, you gotta go long to make the, um, the material stick, right? We have been taught in corporate America, be pithy, be three bullet points, has to fit on one slide, right? We're all about like short and sweet. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned from my creative colleagues here is uh, sometimes a little length, a little room for the story to breathe is, is actually the way that you make it um, more, uh, uh, more relevant, mm -hmm. stickier, um, higher retention. Um, and my best example of this is just like, go look at some of the show, your favorite shows right now on 
whatever your favorite streaming platform is. And if you look at the length of the show, like, you know, everything used to have to fit into like a 30, 30 minute slot on primetime. But now um, with streaming, like sometimes it's like, an episode is 37 minutes and sometimes it's 29 minutes and sometimes it's whatever because they are there's allowing the story to take the space that it needs. Wow. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And that resonates with us too, Mel. We've done a lot of these shows, probably close to 600 of them now. And uh, we sometimes they're 22 minutes and sometimes they're 68 minutes, right? And, mm-hmm. and everything in between, depending on w- what we're talking about. And I, I think that's super advice. And I'd also think too, like if you're developing that content and trying to encourage leaders or encourage instructors to you know, be more open, tell more of their stories, share their personal stories, like it's compelling that you want to keep coming back for more. I can recall it, with my experience with Masterclass as an individual, I mean, I watched Howard Schultz talk for hours, right? And hours about leadership because it was so compelling and I was ready for the next, you know, the next story or the next, you know, a chapter, right? In his story, right? And it, it was, I didn't care how long it was, right? It was so Yeah. Well, and I, I, I think that there is, um, it's a, it's a both and on that one, Steve, honestly, like, I think there's, um, there, there are some uh, instructors and stories that we want to be able to tell, you know, across six hours. Um, certainly during the pandemic, when people couldn't do anything else, they were like, why six? How about eight? you know, but now here we are back to our busy lives and, um, and trying to, to connect in, you know, in person with people as well. And, and I think that we, um, at masterclass are saying, okay, are there stories that we can tell in shorter form that, that resonate with people also? And, and as I was talking about earlier, right, are there like, uh, key lessons that we can kind of grab from a multitude of classes, put them together so that people can um, can maybe say, hey, I like I do want to learn this and I want it to to be sticky, but but I only have eight minutes or I only have, you know, 30 minutes or whatever. I'm going to listen to it rather than watch it on my way to the office. And so I like I want it to be just the audio. And so we've had to really play with the format as well to make sure that we can um, meet people where we are. I mean, you you heard me say, right, we had these two founding principles on entertain, uh, education should be entertaining, and everyone deserves to learn from the best. Never in our founding principles did we say, and that should only be in six-hour classes, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. like the length of it didn't really matter to us at yeah. all. Um, and, and it's really, when you use those two, then you can say, okay, well, if, if everyone deserves to learn from the best, how do I make this available to a frontline worker who has five minutes, right? Like, because they certainly deserve to learn from the best. That's like, I've got a real bee in my bonnet on that one right yeah. now. Which I is really going to make the, the more compelling as well to the folks who are really thinking, hey, I've got learning and development and leadership development challenges and opportunities in my organization we've got to be able to do, we've got to be able to offer folks uh, content formats that are flexible, that'll meet them where they are. As you said, not at the beginning of the pandemic, which is certainly when I dove into masterclass, like many people did, right? I had eight hours, right? To listen to Howard Schultz, like an hour, uh, you know, a day, no problem. But uh, 
yeah, that's uh, certainly um, uh, a great, great um, approach, right, for folks in, 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 especially in the corporate setting. I think about the last thing from us is uh, I would encourage, look, this is not a like, you know, this is an unsolicited opinion. Trish and I, Trish turned me on to Masterclass originally. Mm-hmm. I loved it. We spent so much time on it. Uh, I highly recommend it. Absolutely. But for folks who on the, especially on the corporate side now, who are most of the folks listening to this are, are HR yeah. people, leadership people, development people, uh, may, maybe some, some advice for them and certainly have them, uh, where, where can they learn more about master Masterclass at work? Yeah. So, um, well, I would say, uh, you can reach out to me, to anyone at our team um, at Masterclass. Um, if you come onto our website, there's a, you know, there's a, a space for you to learn about um, Masterclass at work. Um, and um, and we are, uh, you know, we, we are so excited about this um, as a company that any, literally anyone at Masterclass can talk to you about it. I would say, you know, my email is mel.steinbach and masterclass.com. Like, send me an email and I will get you connected to the right people. Um, but we are, um, you know, we have some incredible, incredible instructors coming um, where we've really been um, now shooting those classes with this idea of uh, both the like the enterprise learner as well as the consumer learner. And so I think that um, we're only getting going on this journey. And so I I think it's a it's a really great time um for everyone to to jump on board. Can I just say one thing though? Like honestly, um we, we have had this like really interesting time in HR over the past three years. Um, it, it's been, it's been really hard to be a people leader. And I would say, even if you don't get masterclass at work for your company, I really hope you do like <laughs> take the, take the time to invest in it for yourself. It's, it's $10 a month. And on the consumer side, it, it, it's so worth it to invest in yourself, you know, like the lessons you will be able to share with your teams, um, with the other leaders, it's just going to like add this extra toolkit. We have been so stretched over the past three years. I like, I'm feeling for all of my HR brethren out there. And I am just like, do yourself that like, this is a a little bit of like professional self-care for yourself. They're great stories. They're told beautifully that they are like gorgeous to watch, like give yourself this little gift. Um, I I think regardless of if, if it's going to work for your company, we hope it does. We believe it works for every company, but um, do that for yourself, HR. Yeah, I'd second that as well. I thought they were, I think they're great. I've loved them. I, we could do a whole nother show, Trish, about what was our favorite ones and, and things like that. You know, yeah. we've talked about it before, but it's a, it's a great product, a great service and uh, highly recommended for me, for sure. And I think, you know, Mel, you're right. It has been a tough three years for HR leaders and, and just HR professionals in general. And sometimes we need a little inspiration. And what I love is that I can sit down and and watch one maybe uh, on home and lifestyle or design or writing, or you mentioned sports, right? 
who doesn't want Steph Curry giving you a pep talk about how to do something and be more passionate about it, you know? So it doesn't have to be, there are many, many business courses, right, as well. Um, But it does not have to be in order to give you that little bit of inspiration to go back to your workplace and try something new or think about a problem differently. And I think that's, that would probably be my biggest takeaway. And I always saw it not to do the ones that I think I would be expected to learn from. I was trying to learn from people that I wouldn't normally have thought I could learn something. And I absolutely took took multiple lessons away from each um, instructor that I participated with. Mel, thank you so much. It's been great to uh, have you. Uh, uh, I think that uh, we had a great experience with Masterclass, and uh, we hope that many folks check it out, both for their person uh, personal use as well as for their, their company. Uh, Mel, thanks so much for joining us today. It's great to meet you. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you both have great days, um, and I hope that we get to talk again soon. That's great. Awesome. Thank you. Mel Steinbeck from Masterclass. Trish, good stuff. I loved it. I love the stories. I'm going to go back and watch. I wrote down some of the ones. I, I'll tell you what my favorite one was. Mel, uh, you're still here. You can you can come in if you want. Yeah. Chris Voss on negotiation was probably yes. my absolute favorite one that I took back when that I took a it. It's a couple of years yeah. ago now, but man, I love that one. So Chris great. Chris Voss is amazing. And by the way, so much applicability to uh, to the workplace um, with how he's, you know, talks about, gives you all of those techniques for negotiation. Um, well, since we're sharing, um, I mean, I, I love, um, a lot of our instructors. Um, I, I personally love the, um, uh, love the coach K class. I think the stories he tells about values-based leadership are just unreal. Um, I think that they're incredible. I like, I I think that, um, the stories of, um, I don't know if either of you are, um, Lewis Hamilton fans, but Lewis Hamilton, the formula one driver, Mm -hmm. what, a and just like an incredible story i i literally i can't get through it i've watched it like three or four times i cry every time um because he is just he's so vulnerable and real and you like you connect with him before he was lewis hamilton right he like tells you about his story coming up um i i absolutely love that and then we have a couple of instructors coming um soon that i'm super excited about um i like cannot wait for Amy Poehler. Um, she's wow. just, I love, um, and absolutely can't wait for, for her class to be released soon. Awesome. Well, some bonus content here after we sort of wrap the show, we kept talking, but I couldn't help myself because I wanted to mention that <laughs> one because I remember it so well. And it was such a, such a great experience back uh, when I took it. So, all right, that's it. We're going to let you go, Mal, and get back to it. Trish, Great to see you. Thanks so much again. Uh, Thanks, of course. Check out Masterclass, Masterclass at Work, highly recommended. And thanks to our friends at Paychex, of course, for all their support. Um, For uh, our guest, Mel Steinbeck, Trish Steen. My name is Steve Bowes. We will see you next time. And bye for now.